Hey everybody, thank you for checking out the Real Abhinav Audio Experience. I just want to let you know, even if you don't finish this episode, that I have tremendous amount of love for you and I wish nothing but good things to come for you this year. Even though we're going through a crazy crisis globally, I know that it's going to get better and I know deep inside you do too, which is why you're here. Today there's a lot of energy on this podcast because I have my good friend Jimmy Shiba. Let's go people. If you need a personal trainer, hit my boy up, builtbyjimmy.net. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. All right, guys. So today we're going to talk to my old friend that I met way back in UCI when I was starting my bodybuilding career, or I guess I was in the middle of it, and I was just getting ready to compete in the West Coast Classic. Jimmy and I met up because he happened to hit me up to ask for a workout with me, and we did a super, super fun arm workout, which we did a throwback Thursday on just recently. Well, first of all, here's what I want to say, because I don't feel like people really know who you are, okay? And it's I bet <laughs> it's hard true. for you to introduce yourself. So... And it's going to be a good segue to, to what I do. But, you know, if you, you remember back to your college days when you walk into the gym, your college gym has like this hierarchy. You know, it's got, you know, the newbies and then, you know, the, the semi-serious people. And then you got like the top dogs, the powerlifters, the bodybuilders. Abhinav was the top dog in our <laughs> college gym. Okay, so that's who you're talking to, everybody. I hope everyone knows that. Uh, there's a lot of... I mean, there's tons of respect that goes along with that. And so, um, you know, I want to I want to put that out there. I appreciate that, man. Before we start. So, hey, guys, I just wanted to step in here real quick and let you know that we also have this full conversation live on YouTube where you can see the video of both of us talking. I tend to feel like video captures a little bit more human emotion and you get to really see what someone's reaction was to a statement. So if you're interested in checking that out, you can go to YouTube and search for Blossom Media Studio. Now let's get back to this episode. I started, well, I've always been in athletics my whole life, starting from when I was three years old uh, as a swimmer, cross-country athlete, soccer player, uh, track athlete a little later. Yeah. And then um, once I went to college, really all that stuff uh, ended for me, all the competitive stuff. But, you know, the pattern of my life was always, you know, I'm, there's always needs to be practice, competition, you need to be getting better. You know, you're always competing against your, your peers, your, your colleagues. And so going to the gym and working out was that natural progression. And so that's, that's how I started working out at the gym. Uh, really didn't really get into fitness full-time until 2015, 2015. I moved to San Francisco after grad school, um, from San Diego and then, uh, started personal training. I feel like we keep first, missing I, each yeah. other, Jimmy, because I was in San Francisco and I didn't get to see you. And now I'm in San Diego and you were here yeah. before I was. So it's really funny that we keep missing each other on the cities here. Um, yeah. Before you get too far into the fitness journey, because we're going to uncover that a lot in this episode mm-hmm. and different parts of it. I'd be curious if there's, from being a trainer and being a coach to a lot of people that are in their fitness journey, what are, in your opinion, some of the most common misconceptions that people think a personal trainer is? Uh, it's, uh, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, a good example to explain it is, uh, so my girlfriend, Elaine, when I met her, I said, Hey, I'm a, I'm a personal trainer. And she really looked at me and goes, you know, uh, she basically told me, Oh, I- I'm never going to get a personal trainer. I don't need one. Right. And so that, that, that it's kind of, uh, it really shows how, you know, a personal trainer can be really mean anything. So it's personal to people that, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> literally, and I think what separates someone that's kind of, I don't want to say a bad trainer, but maybe like a beginner trainer, someone that doesn't really understand the, the, the business that well. Um, one of the main differences is, is, is going in with a defined product. So personal training as a product is a super unique product because nothing about it should be defined until you meet someone and start gaining information on what it is. So, Really, like you don't assume anything about someone until they start demonstrating it to you or um, you start looking out for certain cues. Mm. Um, but everything has to have this tangible evidence base. You know, I saw you walk this way. Therefore, I'm making this assumption, you know, about your hip flexibility or, you know, your ankle mobility or anything, um, your beliefs about training. I don't know anything. So, it really like I love I love being the guy that knows nothing, 
a lot of time. Like I, I love it when I, I know nothing about someone. And I always walk around with that, with that mindset of like, I know nothing about anything. And so that makes whatever I know a lot more valuable when I do start to get to know you. That's that beautiful. Sense. It's so powerful. Yeah. I feel like, you know, from back in the day when you and I were working out, it was like Instagram was popping off about, you know, fitness life. And there was a lot of people that wanted to be a trainer online or be some sort of a brand, a coach. Yeah. But what we saw was a lot of the same material, generic workouts, you know, cookie cutter, boilerplate stuff that you can find on like bodybuilding.com. Yeah. Not sponsored by them yet. Um, that we could potentially, you know, give to all these people. But the problem with that is, is that it doesn't take into account the personal part, right? Like, so if you're getting a personal trainer or a personal coach, you have to really get somebody that will look at you for who you are and what your, mm-hmm. you know, blocks are, where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are, and then cater a plan that helps you bring those up. You know, it's a very good point that you make that you don't, you're not too quick to judge somebody and then suggest them that they do something that, you know, that's almost like being an actual uh, you know, craftsmen of this of this art of training because I do think that there's something that sets you apart from from just what you said about I don't I don't you know I act like I don't know anything about this person yeah. because the moment we start making all these assumptions then we're likely to take shortcuts in our training method with them right like you would potentially be like okay well you look like you know you're five ten or blah 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 you want to lose weight start doing cardio five days a week and eat yeah. less and then you know let's talk I mean those are yeah. sort of the boilerplate like. Everybody knows you need to eat less to lose weight. You need to eat more to gain weight. But exactly. how do you make that more palatable? It's really you have to get into a personal person with a personal level and get to know them over time. You know, I'm curious to hear like from from your perspective because what really amazes me and why I wanted to talk to you is like I, I really appreciate what you said earlier because uh, when I look back at those time in my life when I was trying to be a competitive bodybuilder. I was very narrow focused on that. I just wanted that. No, nothing else in life really mattered to me. Mm-hmm. Then as I started to, you know, get older and I just decided I wanted to make some more money and, and, you know, work and all that. And I moved to the Bay Area to start working in San Francisco and, you know, doing all that stuff. It, it really started to shift my focus away from being in the gym all the time. And, and one of the questions that I have for you is how do you help clients who tend to have fitness goals but then they, you know, they work with you, but then they keep self-sabotaging themselves, for example. Like, what do you recommend to those people from like a mindset perspective on how they can strengthen themselves, their willpower perhaps to then be, then be better? It's a great question. Um, well, here, here's what I think you have to go into every single situation um, and try to analyze. The thing is, I think you don't want to try to come in and create some sort of solution that's that's you know come sort of come up with like a theorem that's never been said or done before mm, tested, right so whatever yeah. yeah the 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 answers are within the person you're talking to now you may be able to suggest something and add to it but really everything that needs to that the person needs to have to create that change is in that person already, right? So really what, what my job is most of the time is to just try to get into the reasons behind why certain things are, right? So let's say someone has a problem. Let's take it a really simple example. Hey, let's extreme example. Someone just can't stop eating cheesecake. Or just, or I mean, more practically, most people can't stop eating late at night, you know, when they're watching oh, Netflix. That's perfect. Uh, I'll say that for myself. Like, it, it's 1030. Oh. I'm like, man, I, I already had dinner and I want to eat some more food. Granted, I didn't used to be that way when I was trying to be a competitive athlete and I was trying to be way right. more disciplined. But since I don't really look at myself in that same way, you know, yeah. so that could be a good example. So how would you deal that's, with that? Yeah, that's, that's perfect. So what I would ask is, you know, when you were, so this is, so what I'm trying to do right now with this question is, taking a successful model that you've done in the past already, right? right? So you, you've done it, you repeated it, um, and you've executed it very, very well. So what I'm going to try to do for you right now is to get you back in that mindset and just to ask yourself, what is it exactly that, that made you uh, create those behavioral habits? So I'll ask you, um, so when you were doing your, when, when you were doing your bodybuilding, um, and it was 1030 at night, you know, what is it that, drove you to do the right things to eat certain 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 foods go to sleep at a certain time um because i'm assuming you were hungry back then also absolutely absolutely yeah you know that's a very good question to ask jimmy because it's actually going to uncover maybe something that you 
um, didn't expect, and, and maybe I've never shared, but the reason I was so determined at that time is because bodybuilding became, for me, the avenue to outlet, or it became an outlet for me to really um, overcome a lot of my adversity growing up, and um, especially when I got you know judged by other people, or if I got bullied, or if I felt that I wasn't enough. So a lot of that sort of mindset came from me wanting to push that in. Every time I felt like I was not able to hold up a commitment to myself, I would think about all the people that, you know, kind of talked shit about me or whatever, and that would fuel me. And then I'm always thinking about that day of the show, right? Like I was a very big fan of um, some of the bodybuilding culture at the time. And I would always think about like the unveiling, the day of the show, like that's what matters. So it's not about right now. It's about that sacrifice for that one day where we're going to unveil the work that we've been doing. So you have to stay on it. Otherwise, that day is not going to be the way you want it to. I think since now that's shifted for me and I'm not really looking to step up on any stages and I'm not really taking my shirt off <laughs> as much as I used yeah. to back yeah. in the day, you know, I'm trying to be more healthy. So it's like my standards have changed in that sense, you know, like my standards have shifted of myself, but I still want to uphold myself to uh, at least, you know, somewhat of a strong mindset around, let's say, you know, compulsive eating. So, mm. yeah, I, I would agree like uh, that that was what I was doing then. But how can you help me now? Yeah, I love it. So I think the first question I would get into is, so the individual that I'm speaking to a lot of times has this perception of what they should do, mm. right? So for, for you, um, it, if you want to get into like, if you want to lose weight, right? Let's say or like maybe you're like 185 pounds or something like that. And you want to get down to 175. Right. For me, what I would question is, so what is what does being 175 pounds mean to you? Right. Right. Because what is what, what we're, what you, the situation that you came from in bodybuilding is, you know, it's this very extreme thing of, all right, guys, look at my body. I've been, I've been doing this, this, and this for the last 20 weeks. Look at my body, rate me to put everything that I've done in the, in my life for the past 20 weeks. Well, basically maybe your whole Judge life. Me, right? Yeah, pretty work, much. Work. Yeah. And put it into a number, nine, 10, you get judged, right? Like, you know, all your poses, yep. judge me. And then on top of that, compare me. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> and tell me, tell me, tell me if I'm good or bad, right? That's, yeah. that's what you're saying. And I think there's, with anyone that talks, anyone like yourself, like, so if, if you were morbidly obese and like you were maybe 300, 400 pounds, then it becomes more of this like, you might die tomorrow if we don't lose this weight. So let's let's get this weight off right now. Like let's take a look at all your numbers. But I think what I would explore is for everyone else, for example, for yourself, like you're a very, very healthy individual. I would try to find out why is it that you want to see this number go down so bad? Right. Right. You know, I think and I would it's a good question. Yeah. I could probably actually answer that. I think for me, it's just yeah. now I'm looking at I want to be more uh, of this figure that has the authority around mental and physical health. Of course, I've proven myself by taking myself to the extreme on the physical health, but now I'm not mm-hmm. so concerned about looking physically like, you know, a, a, like a bodybuilder. I'm more interested in just being healthy and being an example to others that, hey, you can have it all. You can take care of your physical health and your mental mm-hmm. health as well as your business and your relationships in life. And you can have that balanced life and f- be fulfilled. You don't have to chase this one thing and then go crazy over it. And then, you know, lose out on everything else, which was one of the biggest lessons I learned in my fitness journey earlier on. Right. So, so I think for me, you've actually really gotten me thinking on the spot here about why do I want to actually lose weight? And the point is, it's basically because I want to, again, hold up an, a self-image um, right. of myself, you know, and uphold that as, a, as somebody that I put myself out to be. Um, but yeah, right. and on a very personal note, you're absolutely right. It does correlate with them, some things like your health, like uh, at least in my family, diabetes is a very common occurrence. So if I don't watch my my food habits, especially eating late at night, it can spike your insulin and, you know, mm-hmm. high, and make, make me more insulin resistant, which can definitely make me closer to becoming a diabetic. Uh, and that's something that I fear, I guess I want to avoid, right? So I want to run mm-hmm. away from that. And partly that's why I do that. But I'm curious, like, how do you work with clients who tend to, let's say, stay on track, right? But then they, right. but then they don't. Like they take two steps forward and like 10 steps back one day or whatever, right? Like how do you deal with that? And how do you deal with that sort of mindset adjustment where the person's like, well, what's the point? I'm, I'm already a failure, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing you want to do is, is tell, is, is to not panic. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, and a lot of times, instead of saying, let's make these changes, blank, blank, and blank. What I want to do is first identify the factors that are leading to the current behavior right now. Mm. Right. So um, there's this term in public health called uh, intuitive eating. All right. Let's, let's take it eating, for example, your nutritional patterns. But this can be this can be patterned to any behavior. Um, what you want to do first is instead of, you know, making these blanket changes of, hey, this is good. You know, these these things, these these things have been proven to be good right. eating vegetables not drinking 10 Cokes a day, uh, eating late at night, for example. Okay. Instead of just saying, these are good things. You are now going to do good things and not, and then you will become healthy. What you want to do is or what I would like, what I do is, is just go through and ask, you know, what kind of value does the eating at night, for example, bring to you. Right. So, mm. um, yeah, what kind of emotional value? Like any, it's comfort any, usually, you know, I would say. Yeah, you know, it's a right? lot of it is just comfort. You're like, comfort. hey, I want to chill out, and I want to just, you know, oh, okay, whatever. I can eat these peanut clusters full of chocolate. You know, eat six of them, yeah, and they're like yeah, consume yeah, yeah, like yeah. 300 calories all of a sudden. Yeah, it's totally right. It's about comfort because you feel like this is something that's going to make me feel better. Uh, and it's late at night, nobody's watching. I don't have anything else going on. You might as well just slip a few pieces of candy or whatever, right? Like that's such a good point, man. Damn, I you're good it. at I this, Jimmy. <laughs> I love it. And then no, 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 I'm getting so excited right now because, like, look, right? You you mentioned a few things right there. Yeah. Right. Nobody's watching. Yeah. You said nobody's watching, right? So what I would suggest is maybe we get your wife to maybe get on board with this. Oh, dude, that you're already somebody's... you're already ahead of me on that. <laughs> yeah. Some somebody's watching, right? Maybe. Uh, you know, um, you mentioned it's comfort. That's a great word because, you know, let's say we do change it. And I say, you know what, strictly, let's go back to your bodybuilding mentality. Let's just cut that out. Right. Don't do it. Cut that out. Discipline, right? You, you're going to be sacrificing that very important word, comfort. Do you really, do you really want to, you know, is that something you're really willing to take away? Right. That comfort, right? And that comfort you know, in that moment, it's just like, yeah, that comfort, let's take it away. That's fine. But what if that comfort really leads you to being at a great mental state to go to sleep? So now you may be sacrificing your ability to get great night's sleep, right? What if that, that comfort is the thing that leads you to, you know, overeat and like binge on a hundred chocolate candy bars in two weeks, Right, right, because you start to sacrifice, and all of a sudden you're pent up, and you 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 rebel, which is which I think everybody exactly. who's ever competed in a bodybuilding show has done, where they've been oh, on a strict yeah. diet for for weeks and weeks and weeks, months, and then the show is over, and now it's like bring out the yeah. donuts and the cheesecake and everything, yeah. and now yes. you're like, yeah, wow. you could you could relate with the hundred percent, right? dude. And so what I'm trying to do is set you up for when I'm gone, right? You're not, you know, you and I are not going to be working together for. For the rest of your life, I want you to be be able to make those decisions for yourself and be comfortable doing that. And so, those type of conversations are are the the most important ones to have. Is you know this comfort? What does that comfort mean to you? Do you think that you can take that comfort away and be and have this behavior sustainable? Because one of the things that you want to do is is have that mental clarity, right? That mental um, that healthy mental outlook on, you know, uh, and everything really. Being, yeah. 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 Being, being comfortable in what, whatever you're doing and be happy with it. Um, and so being able to justify those decisions for yourself is that's the only thing that matters really. It doesn't matter what, what I say, or I could, I could bring anyone in here, uh, you know, anybody that you respect, let's say, um, you know, Phil Heath or Kai Green or something is telling you to do it. It's not going to matter at 10 30 at night. Cause you said it yourself, you're alone, right? You're in your house. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to be telling you what to do at that moment. Are you going to see like your pounds drop off and you're going to be 170 pounds and, and you know, veins popping out and whatever. No, like that valuable moment. Maybe it's also a time where, you know, you're spending time with your family. you maybe in the future, your extended family, you know, your kids and whatnot. Are, are you going to be the one to say, you know what guys, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend time and eat with you guys and watch Netflix because I want to be 170 pounds. You know, I've been there. that's not, yeah, it's not, it's not right. And yeah, that's perfect. That, so that this is a perfect example for you because you can feel that pain. 
Yeah. You know what that sacrifice feels like. And so what I'm doing is just making you aware of it. I'm not, I'm not coming out with some crazy like protocol of like, all right, well, how about you eat 20 grams of the, the peanut butter bar at, you know, three hours earlier, and then we're going to time it out. So like, right. like, no, I'm just asking you some questions and then, you know, just so would you say a good at. personal trainer is somebody that doesn't try to keep their clients forever is actually somebody that enables their clients to be self-sustaining. Absolutely. That, See, that's I feel like that be- sets you apart from like 99.9% of people that are doing this game yeah. wrong because they're trying yeah. to bait people into like perpetuity, right? Like keep them on this hamster wheel so they keep paying them. And I felt like, you know, believe it or not, when I was first starting out in bodybuilding, I really thought about becoming a personal trainer. And the biggest thing that drove me away was A, that the gym takes away like 90% of your money and your commission. And B, that you don't really get to pick the clients that you do work with. They assign them to you, which it was sort of an ego play. Like I wanted to work with people that were like doing similar stuff, wanted to change their bodies and build and so that we can talk about similar topics and things like that. So I really was selective on that. You know, I did. I, I trained a b- number of people. And, I, and of course, I used to make a lot of content around it that helped my family in India to get in shape or mm-hmm. inspired them to want to be better. I'm curious, like, what are you doing for yourself? Because oh. training people is so laborious, A, and it's so mundane because it's repetitive, right? Like, yeah. how does somebody... Uh, I know for me, I used to get really frustrated at the whole personal training part a little bit. How do you stay like, you know, sane and, and revitalized day in and day out trying to do the same thing with people? Like, how do you keep yourself yeah. sharp? Yeah, that's a great question. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny. I've, I've had these conversations with my clients because my clients, uh, you know, I'm very public on what my schedule looks like, um, you know, who I'm training. A lot of times I'll film some of the workouts that we'll do together. And so people kind of have an idea of, man, you, I see you post content from like your first client was like at 5 a.m. in the morning and you've been posting all day long and then I'm here at like 9 p.m. or whatever, right? And, you know, the way I answer that is it's, 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 it's never the same, like I'm in the same place, right? I'm in the gym, even if I'm in the same gym, right? And I'm in the same gym all day long. As soon as that new person comes in, it's, it's almost like I'm, I'm, I'm in like a totally different world. Like the personality that I'm dealing with is totally different. Hmm. The, the, the problems that we're trying to overcome as a, as a, as hmm. a, as, as a, as a partners are, are totally different. The, the timings of ev- like everything, the conversation with the kind of jokes that we tell this, you know, this, the stories that we're, we're trying to create, it's just, it goes- everything's different. And it I goes back to what you said. You're not treating everybody like a generic cookie cutter. They don't have exactly. the same workout and the yeah. same routine. You've actually taken the time to learn this person. So when you do step in the time to work with them, it's like each of these people are unique individuals, which is absolutely true. I mean, each person is their own self, their own way, the way they do things and the way they behave. So it's like you you have that level of awareness, which, I've, which I'm admiring like crazy right now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that you, you can hold that composure to t- treat everybody like a fresh new client every single time in every interaction, you know, and that, that keeps you going. Um, would you say like you also get, um, I'm sure you do, like everybody has bad workouts, right? But like mm-hmm. we all have our, our rough days too. Would you say like, do you have any strategies that you could share or maybe some something around your own mindset on when you, end up having, let's say, a bad workout with a client or maybe bad mm-hmm. days for yourself. I mean, because you work like around the clock, man. Like I see you, mm-hmm. sometimes I think I've seen you post or be up at like two or three in the morning just trying to do your your, your marketing piece or your website, yeah. which, is yeah, another, yeah, which yeah. is another topic I'm going to get into in a little bit here. But I wanted to see like, how do you deal with sort of like the, the rough days, like the days where you're not feeling like Jimmy, where you're not feeling like the personal trainer, the one that's here to give everybody motivation? Because I think we all go through those flows. You know, what was the mm-hmm. process look like for Jimmy then? Oh, another great question. It's, um, I think, so how, I, how I approach this question is it's, it's kind of the same thing. It's this very same, similar concept to, you know, if you, let's say deadlift, if you're able to deadlift 500 pounds, right. And then one day you're asked to deadlift 200 pounds, that 200 pounds is all, it's like a broomstick broomstick basically. Right. So, um, I think it, in my mind, when I look back at some of the harder days, like there, I, I don't really have this sense of a hard day anymore. Mm. Like people ask me, oh man, aren't you tired? 
And I'll think back and I'm like, I was like, I like, I was exhausted, but that was like five years ago. Like I, and I just kept going. So like, like I remember waking up and it's like a haze, like, you know, like the whole year I look back and I'm like, did that year even happen? Like, I, I just don't even remember those days. Cause it's like back to back to back, but I, I loved what I'm doing. And so like, I never, like there is no hard anymore. Like mm. a hard day doesn't really exist because like every day is, is hard in a different way. If that makes sense. No, it does. It, it totally does. I think two key points that you made there. One is that you really genuinely love what you do in, in its entirety. Yeah. I think that's so important. We forget because when you want to do something and you want to be the best at it, like, and, you know, take the bodybuilding example. I didn't want to be on the Stairmaster for two hours. You know what I mean? Like I didn't want to do cardio three times a day when I, when I felt like I needed to. You know, I didn't want to eat bland food, but there's all these parts of, of let's say, call it the job that are there. They're like stepping stones. You got to do them. Otherwise, you're not going to get where you're trying to go. So you've actually taken on 100% responsibility for everything that's involved with your endeavor around helping other people. And whatever that means, all the little pieces that are involved, you're taking them on as all or nothing, right? Like you've, you've taken them all on as, as if like, okay, this is all important. This is all part of it. This is all how I, how it has to be done. So I'm going to go out and do it. That's amazing, man. And you've built that mindset over, over years. I, I don't want anybody listening to this to misunderstand and feel like you can just do this overnight because I don't know if you've noticed this, there's a whole lot of people out there that are still trying to be a, a life coach. But meanwhile, mm. they're like, you know, 20 years old or whatever. And it's like, it's all yeah. good, man. Like you, you, you want to get your start, but at the same time, like you can't fake this, right? Like you can't fake that, that full absorbed attitude. Like it takes a little yeah. bit of crazy, like tweak in your head to be like, you know what, I'm yeah. going to do this stuff. I'm going to do the crazy stuff that other people aren't going to do. I'm going to yeah. work the extra hours and, and do the, you know, additional things that are required to get me to the next level, which, yeah. which, you know, takes me to the next part of this conversation, which I also admire yeah. you for a lot is you not only have, you know, your personal training clients and, and all that good stuff, you also have a, a lot of good resources online. You've built your own website, which, which again is built by jimmy.net. And it's not just uh, there for, you know, workout resources. You have actually put in how can other people that are trying to be in this industry learn from all the mistakes and maybe lessons that you've learned and improve their career when it comes to marketing themselves, when it comes to getting clients, keeping mm -hmm. clients, and, and how that ties into the social media world, right? Like, so I'm curious if you can talk to me a little bit about that. Like, how did you approach that? Did you take that in as the same way you took in, like, I know, training clients? Because a lot of personal trainers probably are struggling right now during quarantine, yeah. trying to figure out how can they make money. Definitely. Yeah. Well, how that started was, um, like, I have been, it's almost like I've been doing it in my head for a long, long time. It was just, you know, business-wise, I, I never really had the either you know like the opportunity to put it down and really give someone an outlined way of like uh of helping them like up until now i've been really just saying hey if you're a trainer and you need help you dm me i will number one answer you as as the give you the best answer that i can right and then number you know and i'll just keep helping you just just come on and dm me dm me dm me that doesn't scale obviously um, yeah. So, and, you know, and of course I was saying kind of similar things over and over and over and mm. over. So, um, but at the same time, I also wanted to, to, to make it number one, serious, like a serious thing. Like this is real advice that I am giving. And number two, I wanted to, to, um, to monetize it a little bit. Right. And, but at the same time, I didn't want to, like, I know these trainers that are coming in, are they're coming to me because they're struggling so right. it, i don't want to make it this thing where i'm like hey you're gonna pay me 10 percent of what you make that's like like that's not gonna work no one's gonna sign up so i just made it like one little small flat fee um just to make it valuable to them make it you know valuable to me to keep writing and keep helping um and then also another part of it is you know i'm a really competitive guy so me doing this is like in my mind, I'm like helping my competitors, right? Like I want to crush my competitors. So if you don't know anything, I'm like, yes. And like one half of my mind is saying that the other half is like, man, go help these guys out. You know, they right. need some help. 
Um, so I think now, number one, I have a little bit more time to work on this. Um, I'm not training clients at 5 a.m. right now. So I have the time to get, get writing. And so I'm doing it. Uh, but another, another thing is it's kind of fulfilled like a, a long-term project in my, in my head that I've been wanting to do for a long time. Right. So, yeah. Was, <laughs> Dude, tell me about how you've been able to stay consistent with uh, even, you know, working because obviously the gyms are closed and people still need training. I know that I follow you a lot on Instagram. So I see you be doing yeah. workouts in the stairwells and using rubber bands and all that, you know, tell me about like how that's evolved for you and how you're able to still get people's attention. Yeah, I love it. I think you can relate to this really well. Um, because for me, one of the biggest transitions over the years that I've, I've shifted my mindset on towards fitness is this, uh, I, I really get less and less value out of gym specific things. And mm. I think this is something that all trainers, it, it's only going to help you if you learn to do this is look, there's certain, you know, and I'll, I'll use this example. If I, if I was single and I was dating and, um, which by the way, you guys did a great video on the uh, Tinder. I, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> but, um, if, if I'm on Tinder and I message a girl, Hey, I can deadlift 600 pounds. You know, I'm sitting there thinking I'm really cool. It, like the girl's going to be like, great. Great. Like you, you <laughs> might, you, you might as well have said 200 pounds, right. 300 pounds. It's going to be exactly the same. Right. So the value that these very gym specific movements, activities, um, it's kind of its own arbitrage. Like it's, it's, it's kind of this own world. Like what people really care about, you don't need the gym for, hmm. you don't need it. Okay. Like there, of course there's people that go to the gym to look good. There's, you know, socialize. They, yeah, they, they go to the gym to like be the queen or king of the gym. Oh, 100%, dude. You and I can stay on this and talk about this before we move on. I oh, think yeah. one of the biggest things that I've noticed as a trend shift is like the clothing line for women is just oh nuts, dude. Like from the time when you and I were at, uh, at UCI at the gym, right? Mm -hmm. To like seeing maybe like two girls in the gym to now like seeing more girls in the gym than guys. I've actually made yep. this statement to my wife and maybe earlier on this podcast is that I've actually noticed that the guys are actually way behind on their like game in terms of like being physically fit and having like that yeah. it factor, that little freakiness, that, that hard mm -hmm. work. And I see a lot more women now that are really like putting the effort in because they understood that all it takes is consistency and time. And now there's some beautiful physiques out there that are just trumping all Amazing. the, you know, the guys out there. It's crazy. I don't know if you've noticed that in your career. Like if, if you're noticing a lot of guys are starting to maybe take it a little easier. I think there was a lot of this when Instagram first started getting popular on FitFam. It's like every mm -hmm. other third guy, fourth guy that was going to the gym was like talking about his progress and his fitness journey. Yeah. But now I see a lot more yeah. women, women doing that than guys. And uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of... Um, preconceived notions around the gym where you feel like you have to go in and you got to do these exercises. Otherwise you didn't really have a good workout. But at the end of the day, if you were to look at it, your body doesn't know the difference. All it knows is the stress and the amount of work you did and the time under tension. So it's going to re, re, you know, recover and, and rebuild just the same. So I think it's fascinating that you've been able to get creative. I think you have a whole book on yeah. band workouts, which is, which is amazing. Cause, cause, <laughs> what could, Cause what couldn't you do with just a little bit of creativity and, and, some resistance, you know, yeah. and, and bands are the good way, even stuff around the house. It's really yeah. just about, you know, I think shifting the mindset around getting yourself to think that, okay, a good workout isn't only a good workout. If you go to the gym, there's plenty mm -hmm. of things you can do outside the gym that'll get you absolutely. the results you want. Right. So absolutely. That's really, really absolutely. fascinating, man. Wow. Yeah. I think, you know, as a trainer, if you, if you break down what value it is that you're bringing to an individual, um, during your, your service, during your personal training product, the gym and everything that goes around with the gym, right? So even the physical aspects, like, you know, you're going into a room. So, and there's like a structure with all this equipment. So inside a client's mind, you got to kind of go into each one. Each one's going to be a little different. But let's take a, a, a general client is going to say, well, this is a place where I think people get fit. Therefore, if I do something in here, I must be doing the right thing. I must be going along this right path. That that piece of value is something that you can only get in the gym, mm -hmm. right? So that's something you're, you're going to have to, as a trainer, 
assess and see how big of that value is to that person, like doing stuff at the gym. Like, is it, so if I had, if I had them do 10 pushups in the gym, is it going to affect their, is it going to affect how effective they think that 10 pushups is versus if I told them to do it in the stairwell, for example, right. Right. You know, that's something you got to go through with every person. And I guarantee most people, most people don't care. It, it's not, it doesn't matter as long as I'm there. And as long as I give them instructions on the exercise, it doesn't matter if you do it in the gym. It doesn't matter if you do it on the roof. It doesn't matter if you do it anywhere, mm. but you know, let's say you're a debt, you're a power lifter, which I have some of those clients, those people I flat out cannot train if they're a power lifter because you need a barbell, the, the value that the barbell, the plates, the rack, the, everything, the rack, those, those things are like exponentially much bigger of a value piece that goes into this product that you've built personal training. And so those people, you're going to have to either approach it a different way, find a, find a way to sell them differently. But for most people, it's, it, it's about, you know, getting their goal, which is, yeah, they're just yeah. trying to either lose weight or, you know, be more fit or active. And, and exactly. you can do that in many different ways. It's about retraining that mindset. You know, I really love that. I think uh, before we did this podcast, like we were talking about this, I think you mentioned that even though this is a tough time for a lot of people, personal training for you has actually, it's on the boom, man. It's yeah. on the rise. It's on the, well, it's on the boom because a lot of my competitors are not working. Right. And so I've gotten uh, many leads more than usual, I would think, on just people that want to train. And since the gym is closed, I'm not... I don't have to pay commission. I can just take them in the stairwell. And like, so I'm living my dream right now. It's, this is great. I mean, it's a bad situation. I want to say that for sure. Um, but business wise, right. It's one of the best things that, that could have happened. Um, and And so it's worth highlighting, I think, because it's so easy to feel like, okay, just because things aren't necessarily good everywhere around the world that everybody has to suffer. I really don't believe in that mindset. I think you have to look at your situation for what it is. And just because there is something being preached online or whatnot, it doesn't mean you have to identify with that and you have to still do what works for you. And, and in this case, for you, Jimmy, you've been killing it with these workouts. I see you literally with like new people every day doing workouts on the stairs, yeah. doing all kinds of creative stuff, which to me is, is really what it's about. It's about if you're going to hire somebody to be a trainer, you're going to hire them for, for the creative, for that motivation to push you doesn't matter if it's in the gym or if it's outside the gym ultimately you're training your clients to have that mentality themselves so they can be this way for you know the rest of their life because essentially yeah. this is a habit that you want to continue on you don't just go to the gym for three months to get good for summer and then you know forget about it for the rest of the year i wish it worked that way but it really doesn't right it's, yeah. it's the ongoing thing which which actually i have a very interesting question for you specifically yep. you've been doing this longer than anybody else that i've kept up with from back in the day and, and one thing that stands out to me uh, from you, which I'm, I'm really curious to know is how have you like stayed authentic to being Jimmy? Because I find that it's so difficult. And, you know, I had to take a break on social media last year. I found it so mm-hmm. difficult with so much information that floods in through the channels that we consume. Um, it's so easy to be influenced by everybody else and what they're doing and how they're doing it and how this person's better than you, how they have a better this and that and whatnot. How has Jimmy stayed sane in that and narrow focused to what you're doing and and because you've really put in the work then none of this stuff that we're talking about i want to be very clear is something that you just had overnight like you've been doing this for years you know when nobody was watching you were doing this stuff so like and now that you're finally getting noticed and getting a little bit of notoriety around this time i'm so happy that you are how have you stayed authentic through these years man tell me the secret <laughs> the secret well i i would bring up two things yeah Okay. I would bring up self-awareness as number one, and I would bring up a competitiveness, number two. Um, so let me go over both here. So reaching, let's start with competitiveness. So I'm, I'm a really competitive person, but it's kind of in a, it's kind of in a weird way. Okay. So when I looked around and I'm, this is kind of like my competitive mindset. Okay. We're at the gym, we are, you know, I, I walk into a gym setting. This is my first time, first time at the gym. Um, and I think I was like, you know, whatever, 
I was like 18 or something, 19, 19 years old. And um, I look around what I, my mindset on like, I'm going to beat you is I want to beat you in 20 years. Mm. So like, I don't like, I know, and this is all self-awareness. I know I'm going to lose at like everything. Like I can't, I know that I can't lift as much weight. I know that I'm not bigger than anybody. I know that I'm not necessarily smarter than anybody. I know like, like I'm just prepared. Like I just like, I was kind of like bad, but like, I kind of suck. Like I just go in and I'm like, dude, I'm the worst one here. But at the same time, like I, what, I still want to win. I still plan on winning. So the plan on winning for me is always, look, I know that something's going to happen in life in 10 years, hmm. in 10 years, 20 years, but I'm going to still go. I'm going to, I'm like, I'm, I'm ready for that right now, you know, in like 20 years. So like, I think it's, it's this competitive mindset, but like knowing it's like a, I factored in the fact that I know that like, if we lifted the same weights and ate the same thing, I would just, I would not progress as much. So the only way I'm going to win, I still want to win just as much as anyone is I just, I'm just going to keep doing it for like, just longer, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, it, and that, it just becomes a part of your life. It's not like this phase. And so I think that really keeps me going, has kept me going. It's like kind of the same. It, so I don't have to shift mindsets. You know, I don't have to, um, I don't have to change. So I don't get this stress that comes along with change. Like I've been doing the same thing since, you know, since day one and, and I'm, I'm going to keep doing it. And I will say this, I will say this too, is, you know, you did mention that, you know, this takes a lot of hard work and um, it's, you know, growing up, my upbringing, I think was, was huge in how I live my life now. Um, you know, how my parents raised me and, you know, just to give people an idea, cause people will be like, Dude, don't you get like, uh, you know, burned out or whatever, you know, like, don't you get sleep? Aren't you tired? Yeah. Don't you need to break? Um, yeah, exactly. Right. So growing up like a sample day for me as a kid, as I, I like, I, I thank my, my parents so much every day that they did this because it was hard at the time, but you know, my, my regimen every day was I wake up at like four 30 as a kid. Yeah, my mom wakes me up at 4.30. I play the piano for an hour every day. It doesn't matter if it's if it's Christmas, birthday. It doesn't matter if you're sick. I don't care. You playing the piano for an hour every day. Then I usually went to swim practice, morning swim practice. Wow. After swim practice, if it was a summer, I had another practice, I had cross-country practice, but usually I had school, so I would go to school. After school, I would do school athletics, uh, whatever season it was, you know, soccer, cross country track. I would do that practice. And then I would go to afternoon swim practice. And then I would run by myself after everyone went home around the field, uh, just by myself in the dark. And then by the time I, I was on my way home, it was like 9 PM, 9 30 PM. And I would be, I would just eat like some takeout for for food in the car I would eat it in like five minutes and then I would do my homework on this like this this big clipboard basically with the light on in the car Mm. and I would do my homework and then boom I would go I would get home at like 10 10 30 or whatever and then boom it starts over again every single day wow and swim season was you know you, you practice six days a week you usually had meets every other week at the same time I was playing soccer so I was I had soccer games here and there um for some of my life, I went to Japanese school on Saturday. So that happened. I was there all day. It was just like, I, I'm used to, I was, I was like raised. Dude, you're bred for stuff. this, man. You're yeah, exactly. So, so when people ask me like, you know, don't you get tired? I'm like, I almost don't even know what they're talking about. <laughs> like I'm, I may be tired. I just like, maybe I don't know it or whatever. Your conditioning I'm, just tells you otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wow. I, like, I'll tell them like, maybe I'll feel it. Maybe like I'm really hurting myself. Like, 40 years down the line, like I'm really going to feel it. But 
I don't know. Like I just, well, I don't, I don't, I don't think it. so. I think it comes down to fulfillment because you know that you're fulfilled with all the things you're doing, but you still want to strive for that long-term longevity, which is really what the game's about. You know, it's not about looking good for that one show for that one summer, right? It's about how did yeah. you, how are you doing this year over year? And you know, what's that progress there? I mean, this is, this is something that you don't get to hear very often because everyone really sees people once they're successful and they see everyone talks about their story when, when, uh, you know, they've made it, but not many people mm -hmm. actually understand how long things actually take. So I want to kind of circle back on what I asked about, um, you know, staying authentic, but it must come up where you're so focused and disciplined on these things that you are doing. There's this very, very common fear of missing out, which we feel when we're on social media. You know, is there anything you can share with me around how you experience social media? Do you keep it purely business and then, you know, not use it for anything else? Or if you do find yourself going on there and seeing other people's lives, how does Jimmy kind of calibrate himself back? Like, is that come back to that self-awareness piece? You know, what are we talking about here? How are, we, how are you staying you know, away from the fear of missing out and also, again, continuing to be authentic you. Got it. Um, well, I think it, it comes down to this. I think a lot of people um, view social media as a way to, 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 to add value, like to, to kind of be somebody on social media. Mm, yeah, there's a persona right? everybody's playing. Yeah. So for me, even business-wise, I, the thing that I love to do on social media is just to add, add something to the people that I already know in person. So I never like, I, I never post something for someone to just know me on social media. It like, I'm always looking through the lens of Abhinav knows me already in person. Mm. You know, let me help him out this way. Let me sell him this thing. Let me anything. Right, right. Right. Anything. It, it starts with like, like, I just take a look at the people that I know. I met someone on the street. Hey, Ted, great to meet you. And then somehow he winds up on my social media. This, you know, I know you already know me in person. I'm just going to try to add some value mm. to what I do, what I actually do, you know, behind, you know, when, when you don't get to see me in person, like at night or in the morning or whatever. So um, I think it's, it's a lot about like, I just, I don't really see in social media as a, a chance for a chance for me to become something else or present like this other look. It's just me extending who I am already. I, so I don't really that. get this, this, this feeling of like, Ooh, I, ha I have to be good looking. Look at all these great looking people. I never feel that that way at all. Um, and at the same time, I, I kind of like know the value of the things I'm looking at. So if someone has like a, let's say I see someone that has a Lamborghini. Right. Right. Uh, and that, that's something that uh, like for me, I, I don't really, I'll really put myself in that person's shoes and I'll be like, let's say I had a Lamborghini right now. Like, am I going to be like, so what? <laughs> it's like telling a girl that I deadlift 600 pounds, right? That's, like nobody cares. Right, right. Like, it, like, is it really going to make me happy? And I'll just think about it, honestly. I think I'm good at that. Like, is it going to make me happy? Eh, not really. Maybe you know, that day. person. And then you'll think yeah. about all the debt you've collected and how you're going to pay or, all that off, right? No, it's yeah, a very, like very I good have point. To, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very good point. I think that's, that's something that um, I've noticed that a lot of influencers online are struggling with right now, especially with like this downfall of Instagram that I'm calling it. I feel like it's a dying platform. In a lot of ways is because people have overextended they've played to these personas they've outplayed themselves and just because you have a ton of followers doesn't mean those followers are actually generating any money for you right like a very very common exactly. misconception is just because you have a lot of followers it means you're getting a lot of business absolutely not true it really depends on the depth of the connections that you're able to make with some of these people because ultimately they'll buy from you if they trust you and that takes a lot of time you know people unless they're like an impulsive buyer or just have some sort of compulsive behavior there um, most mm -hmm. people will not fall for like, you know, a random person's cell, right? It's yeah. just not the way it works. But for whatever reason, society believes that this is something that we actually value. And so having the likes and the follower count and all that is really something that they think is worth something more. But it's it's really yeah. not. Like, I mean, it is, it is yeah. I'm not going to say it's not an important part of society because if you are online, 
you have some awareness about who you are and what you do. If you don't do that, then yeah, only the people that know you in the in the streets really will know what you do, but everybody else won't. Yeah. So it's a necessary sort of mechanism for getting your yourself out there. And of course, it allows access to the direct consumer, which I think is, is really important. It was not like that before. You don't have mm-hmm. to go through a third party to do that. You can actually directly message somebody and get in touch with them, start yeah. building a connection, ask them how they're doing. How can I add value to your life? What do you need right now to be better? And, and you can really kind of go there and, and go much further than that. Um, I did want to pivot the conversation a little bit deeper, but um, I'll come back to to my squishy story from you towards the end. Yeah. But I, I did want to ask you, Jimmy, like through all this that you're doing right now and everybody yeah. right now on earth is doing something where they feel they might be, you know, finding that to be meaningful in the, in the time being. But when it's all said and done, Jimmy, when, when life is, you know, coming to its end, you know, how do you want to be remembered? Um, you know, I think I want to be remembered as someone who, who tried really hard. Um, I I think it's simple as that. I have a quote written on my, uh, on my whiteboard. Um, and it's one of those, uh, I didn't really hear it anywhere. Uh, just something I really felt and I wrote, I wrote down that represents me really well is, uh, I would rather lose the game than be outworked. So, um, I like, I don't, I just don't, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of metrics in the world of like, you've won here, you've lost here, you know, like you have a lot of followers. This is a great example. So you, you are a winner. You, you have this big number the, I think to me, it's more of like a feeling like the, 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 the self-satisfaction, maybe you'll call it happiness. I value that a lot more as a human being rather than. I made, you know, some, some number, like I made X amount of dollars. I ate this amount, you know, this many grams of protein. I did, you know, um, I lifted this much, this many pounds of weight. Um, so I think it's less tangible, but that's more meaningful to me. And that's all that matters, you know? Um, so I think that's, that's what I remembered as someone who just, just tried really hard. Simple as that. If you were alone on this planet, Jimmy, what would be something that you want for yourself? Oh man, if I was alone on this planet, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. (laughs) If I was alone on this planet, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. (laughs) It's all good, man. That's a good one. How would I, how would I? How would I exist? Who created me? Who are my parents? Well, we're getting into some real deep existential stuff there, right? Like, you know, I mean, a good question to ask with that is, it's just a really good question to think about. It's like, you know, if you were alone, what would you want? I didn't know for me, I'd want some other people to hang out with. That's for sure. I'd want to have, you know, a life like I have now. So it's a question really to ask to kind of come back to gratitude, really. Like we have so much given to us that we could do something with that if it was all taken away from us, we'd be miserable, right? It's just a contracting or a contrasting statement, really. It's like, well, if you were alone by yourself, what would you want? It's like, I'd want all this stuff that I have, even the stuff that I hate. I'd, be, I'd want it. I'd want it because what else, what's the alternative here, right? Like if I was by myself, I wouldn't have anything. You know, it's okay. Yeah. If you don't have an answer for that, it's very, very much one of those questions that I feel just sparks uh, a deeper level, you know? Um, I did want to bring up one story that I think is amazing because everybody claims to be a trainer for people, but not very many people have taken upon themselves to help (laughs) a dog. dog. Can you tell me a little bit about Squishy and how um, she came into your life, how she came into your life? And and I know it was a a dog that was overweight at the time when you got her. I think it was a year or so back, maybe a little longer. Um, a year and a half. I think, yeah. Now. Tell me a little yeah. bit about that story, because for those of you who don't know, Squishy's now like looking like she's, you know, nine weeks out of the Olympia, you know, getting ready <laughs> to getting ready to get shredded here. But uh, all jokes aside, you know, it's it's no joke that you've you've put, a, you know, a dog through a very similar sort of structure where you tried to understand what she could do and, and then, you know, mm-hmm. built her up on that. And now she's a much healthier dog today. And I think a lot more loving uh, bonding with between the two of you. I love seeing that. I think it's so natural and, and just amazing. Tell me a little bit about that story. So this, here's a story. I mean, it's almost like a combination of luck and just, 
just pure chance. So I really, I was, it was a time where I was single mm. and I was really, I wanted, I just felt like I wanted a companion. Right. So that's, that's where I got the idea of like, you know, maybe it's time to get a dog. I thought that um, when I was in the Bay Area, it can get very lonely yeah. out there, surprisingly. Well, even though it's a very popular, busy city, everybody's so yeah. focused, narrow focused on what they're doing. It's hard to yeah. feel like you have a real connection and get that love. Exactly. So I was like, I want a friend. You yeah. know, that's kind of where it started. And, you know, I, the situation was like, well, is it realistic for me to get this friend? Like, I have to, obviously, you have to walk dogs, you have to feed them, you have to take care of them. And so I was like, well, you know what? I built my business enough where I like I live right above the gym so I could run up, spend time with them. But at the same time, I know I don't have enough attention that I can give for a puppy. Hmm. Right. I can't raise a puppy. That's too much responsibility. I don't want to take away that much time from my business. So I was like, you know what? One of my clients referred me to a place where they only have old dogs, hmm. senior dogs. So I was like, you know, what? that's a good option because um, a, a senior dog doesn't require that as much attention as a puppy. So it's a place called Muttville, Muttville in San Francisco. Um, I would highly recommend it if you're looking to, to adopt a senior dog. But um, basically what I did was uh, one day I didn't look at their website, didn't look at any of their available dogs or anything. I said, you know what? Let me just go and see. Let me just see what this is about. I've never, I've never had a dog. I, I've lived with some dogs, so I kind of know the pattern of how to take care of them. But um, I've never had one. So I went in, and basically what it is, it's, it's really just a very simple setup. There's a big big room. Maybe 40, 40 dogs or so are running around. Some are, some are injured. Some are, you know, this is a senior adoption center. Yeah, these are seasoned so dogs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Some of them come here because they got abandoned. Some of them come here because they got too injured. Some of them because their owner passed away. Mm. There's just, you know, there's all kinds of dogs in there. And so immediately when I walk in this room, um, all these dogs, they come and meet you. They, they want to see, you know, you're, you're a new person in their room. So they just come and meet you. And so a lot of these dogs ran over, I petted them. Oh, wow. So cute. So cute. And then this really like fat one comes over, you know, this super fat dog. She's like the last one, but she's like, you know, you can tell she wants to say hi. And so she comes over and I'm like, and I tell the staff, I'm like, why is this dog so big? Like, has she been eating all the food? Like eating all these other dogs food? Cause like all the other dogs, they were, they were like pretty skinny. Right. Um, and I was like, is it, why is she like so big? And they were like, Oh no, they just laughed it off. And so I petted her for a bit. But there's like all these other dogs too. So I'm like, I want to go meet all the dogs just to see who's the best match. And so um, I, I went around to, to each corner of the room, met all the dogs somewhere sleeping, just pet them a little bit. And this fat dog just kept following me everywhere. <laughs> she was the only one. She was the only one who followed me. That she knew, man. She knew who she met the one. She knew. Uh, and I was like, dude, this dog is so fat. And there was some other... <laughs> there were some other like people that were looking to adopt too. this other yeah. couple. And I was like laughing with them. Like, dude, this dog is like so fat. Like, it's... and I thought it was cute. And I kept rubbing her belly. Cause she would just walk up to me, lay down and like, uh, on her <laughs> rub back. Me. Like, yeah, rub my <laughs> belly. And so I rubbed her. And so originally I was like, you know, this dog seems like a good fit. Can I like, is she available? And at the time, so I was told no. So the first mm. I was told, no, they were that, Muttville was hosting an event that night called like prom to raise money as a fundraiser. And she was supposed to be in that event. Mm. And so they were like, no, you would have to come back uh, tomorrow. And, but tomorrow, the next day I had a whole bunch of clients lined up. So I said, oh man, I'm, I'm just going to have to come back next week and see if she's available then. Um, because really she was the only one that was following me around. I was like, I, this, you know, I would love to take her home, uh, but I'll have to wait till next week. And I was like, you know, she's probably gonna be gone next week. These, these dogs, you know, they're, they're in and out pretty quick. But and I was like, you know what? I love this dog so much. Let me just take her for a walk because you can, you can sample a walk. So I was like, I'll just take her for a walk just to spend some time with her. And then, and then I'll go by my way. So we went on our first walk and I still have that video up on my Instagram. If you go to my highlights, uh, that first walk, I just happened to take a photo of her. Um, and then, uh, and then we went back. And this was like, at this point I had spent around 45 minutes 
meeting the dogs and walking her and things like that. So uh, the lead person came in, the person that's, that's in charge of Mobile. And I was like, and I had been spending so much time petting her that she was like, you know, uh, I was like, you know, I was told, she was like, oh, you know, how, how are you liking everything? And I was like, oh, I love this dog right here, but I know that she's not available. And then she was like, what? I, I think she is available. And so she went to the back to check it out. And then I think they just rearranged some stuff. And she was like, no, okay, she's available. Like you can, you can take her. I was like, oh, great. So <laughs> that, that's how it happened. And then I, I took her home. And one of the first things that I ran into was like, so Muttville's like, you know, maybe like a 10 minute drive in the city. And so we got outside and I was like, wait, how am I supposed to take you home? <laughs> like I'm outside Muttville and I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Oh, I have like no supplies. Right? I have no dog bed. I have no dog bowls. I have no dog food. Because wow. I just went to check it out. And I was like, how am I going to take you home? So then um, the first thing I had to do was like, call an uber and get her in the uber and that was like the i was like so worried because she's so big and i know i can lift her but like i want to be really careful like i don't know if she has some sort of you know i don't know i, I don't know like she maybe break her back if i yeah, pick her up the wrong yeah, way for sure so I, I remember the first time i was like all right and i like really scooped her up and i was just like so careful but we got her in the car and um right after i took her home i ran to target and i bought um, you know, a little simple dog bed and some dog food and the dog bowl. Um, and that's how it started. And then we were like, Hey, you're an overweight dog. Like, let's like, you put you on a program. You, yeah. Let's go. Like you. <laughs> so I didn't go in thinking I'm going to get a fat dog cause I'm a trainer. It just so happened that I went and looking for a friend and, um, she just happened to be overweight and and you know to to take care of her we 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 went on this weight loss journey so man that's so beautiful story. story and it's it's amazing yeah. because i feel like dogs really know at a deeper level who they connect with and they do pick their owners i think to a large degree man, she she you really know. picked me i mean it must have been hard for her to keep running after me because i went all over and she kept following me <laughs> like this is the one that's gonna get me in shape <laughs> She was the slowest one, man. She was she was the slowest one by far. I mean, like all man. the dogs ran up, and then like two minutes later, here she comes. You know, like waddle, waddle, waddle. <laughs> that's, that's how it happened. Jimmy, this is this is incredible, man. I I just I don't even know how to really even close this off without just maybe sounding a little bit too um, in love with you because I'm. Uh, I'm really like amazed that you've kept up what you've kept up, but I'm also not surprised because I've known you to be sort of the silent hard worker, you know, very much, you know, in your own, in your own place and just doing your own thing without really worrying about other people ever since I've known you. And, and it's just amazing to see like where that can take somebody if they just stick with it for five, six, seven years. And, uh, you know, it's it's just you've come so far man this is amazing and uh, i love what you've built um and again ladies and gentlemen check out builtbyjimmy.net to get all of your resources and get in touch with jimmy if you have struggles along the same lines that what we've discussed today and of course much more um jimmy i want to thank you so much man before um i close out i want to let give you an mm -hmm. offer chance to to you know maybe ask or speak about anything else that you felt that we didn't share today that you want to leave to the people or if you have any questions for me, man, well, I gotta say, I know we touched on it a little bit before, but you know, as somebody who, who, um, you know, back in 2013, I think it was now maybe 2012, um, when we worked out, I mean, I gotta tell you like that, I, I took that meeting. I know it was just, I think we worked out for an hour. We worked arms. It was just, I can't, I can't thank you enough for, for even giving me the opportunity. Cause I remember, look, we went through a workout, which was all great. And there was some great movements that we did that I still continue today. But like, I remember after that, cause see you, you were already like hustling and, and making things happen. I remember you had your personal training contract that you were, um, you, I saw you sitting down with the client. I remember that clearly. I remember you just making things happen. Like, so you were someone that actually did it. Like you're a bodybuilder forever. For the rest of your life, you were a bodybuilder. I never had the balls to get up on stage. Like I never actually did that. Right. And to, to see someone like yourself that was training way before I did made it happen. It was way harder. 
to get on stage and actually do what you were going to say, those things, not only are they rare, but they, they're super valuable to me. So I would just say, you know, thank you, Abhinav, for, for like, you know, things that you've done in the past. I, I, you know, I never had the chance to do that. So um, thank you for that. But everyone else, you know, I just, I think be, be honest with yourself. And I think that question that you asked, what would you do if you were like, just by yourself and Instagram didn't exist and, and social media didn't exist and your girlfriend, your boyfriend didn't exist and, and nothing existed, you know, who would you be? What would you do? I think that's a great question to ask yourself and, and um, we'll help you be happy at the end of the day. With that, I have nothing better to say, Jimmy. Thank you again so much for being a part of Appreciate this journey, man. And we're going to look back on this 10 years from now and be like, man, what were we doing in quarantine 2020? I hope so. <laughs> I'll so. be amazing. I can't wait. I can't wait. Thank you, everybody, for checking out this episode, and we'll see you next time.